Today's episode is brought to you by Alliance Aviation. Whether your mission is arriving in Miami for the F1 race or simply traveling for business, Alliance's team of aviation professionals is ready to get you from point A to point B. When you fly with Alliance as a charter customer, they deliver superior aircraft, fair pricing, and no long-term commitments. And right now, we have an ongoing promotion to save you 5% on all jet cards. Normally, a jet card can cost you $6,500 per flight hour, but when you use promo code POINT, you can save over $8,000 per jet card. Use promo code POINTS and fly to the Miami Grand Prix in style at flyalliance.us. On this week's episode, Red Bull dominates the Imola circuit while mistakes and misfortunes plague Ferrari in front of the home crowd tifosi. Listen in as we break down the Emilia Grand Prix, speculate as to what lies ahead for Mercedes and Hamilton, and pat ourselves on the back for a job well done and all of our predictions. All that and more to come, so buckle up because it's lights out and away we go. Sam, welcome back to the fastest growing F1 podcast in the world. We are live with our Imola recap show. A little bit of a new format and schedule for us going forward. We are going to, for all of our listeners, put out a new recap episode every single either Monday or Tuesday. We will do a live reaction as schedules permit on uh, Sunday and Monday and let the listeners kind of hear live. No gaps between the race ending and our reactions, but Sam, kick us off. What's your reaction? What a wild weekend you know, between the, the sprint, first sprint of the year, just kind of throwing a, a totally different dynamic at us. Um, when you mix that in with the weather we got, um, it was just a, a, wild, a wild weekend. I thought the, uh, the race today was super entertaining. You got some drama. Red Bull's back. They're, they're, they're back in, the, in both the drivers and the constructors fight. I'm not a big Max or Red Bull fan, but I'm happy to see them back. And I thought it was just a, a good weekend, a good fun weekend. It definitely gives us a little bit more drama heading into the middle of the season. So I was happy with it. Yeah, no, totally. It would have been really disappointing to see uh, Red Bull and Max fall even further back from the championship. At least this weekend, they got to make up some ground, recover from having three DNFs through three races. So overall, just a huge weekend for them to kind of keep their championship hopes alive. I think they're 11 points off of Ferrari now, and the Constructors, Max is 27 points off of Charles. So still quite a bit of work to do. They're going to have to win more races, get a little bit of help from some Ferrari misfortunes, unfortunately. But no, I agree. It's, it's clear that Red Bull, they they had the pace all weekend. You saw it in qualifying. You saw it in the sprint. You saw it in the race itself. And then they just nailed the strategy as well uh, with having Checo uh, be able to cover off 
Charles in the the start of the race, it was a pretty easy one-two finish. I think everyone, though, was holding their breaths going into lap 55, thinking, are we going to see another Red Bull fuel issue, losing power? It was. I think it's hard to watch these races and not think the worst because we've seen it so many times this year. We had flashbacks a little bit in this race to last year's Imola, too. I mean, just it was raining all weekend, and it makes it really hard to predict. You did a phenomenal job in race matchups. We'll get to that later on and how well you did with, with the gambling segment. But man, rain on, rain off. I think we saw three or four stops today. Wet conditions for qualifying, dry for the sprint, wet for the start of the race, dry for the end. Tough, but like that kind of keeps everybody on their toes. What do you think about the conditions? Yeah, I, I can't really figure out whether I like the rain or I hate it. It obviously gives a whole different dynamic to the race and the strategy which is interesting. I, I like that being s- switched up, but the unpredictability of it. And I, f- I sometimes feel like you're not getting the best performance out of these cars, obviously in, in the rain. So it's, it's a toss up. I, I like the, the change and the different strategies that come along with it, but I do feel like we're missing out on seeing maybe some of the best cars in their, in their performance. So you definitely got a, a mix of some different, different cars in there. I mean, we, we finally saw Aston Martin score some points there on the board. Yeah. And, and, and just interestingly enough, I was just looking at the, the standings and uh, I mean, you got Vettel who's now ahead of Fernando Alonso and Daniel Ricardo in the standings. So it's just like, how the heck is that happening? Or not, not Daniel Ricardo, but he's, he's in front of Alonzo, which is, it's just amazing. Great weekend from them. That was uh, a great comeback by them. The rain did them wonders. I felt like their car was performing well, specifically because of the rain. So they got, they got a break there, but yeah, it was just, the conditions were probably the biggest story of the weekend totally. and how these cars could handle it and how these teams we're handling the rain. So it was, it was interesting. hundred percent. And it turns into more of a strategy game and who's going to blink first. Do you stay out on inters? And we saw it at Soki last year where, you know, Lando want to stay out on slicks came in on, he didn't pit. And then, you know, I think Max, that was the race he was starting from the back of the grid and somehow he managed a P2 finish Lewis, you know, took P1. So you're right. The, the conditions, it's funny because I feel like the conditions bring the strategy out, but it, it kind of damages the, the car performance in a way of like, you don't get to see who's truly fastest or who has right. the best pace. They're preparing for different tires. It's preparing for different lines. So it more of a strategy game. I like it mixed in throughout because I think we saw a just pure flat out speed race in the first three races of the year. So this one was interesting, but yeah, it looks like that Aston Martin found a little lipstick to put on their pick of a car this year, which is, um, you know, at least they're no longer in zero, but again, regulations doing their job. It's making our job really hard to predict what's going to happen each weekend, but let's take a walk back to qualifying. Let's start there. We have a ton of stuff to talk about today. Obviously, uh, for those just joining us, Red Bull, uh, they had a one-two finish this weekend. Really disaster nightmare for Ferrari in their in their home race in Italy. But you know they're still strong in front. It's very clear this weekend that Red Bull and Ferrari are at the top of the of the field, and it's going to be a really exciting battle all year long. But walking us back to qualifying, really tough conditions. It was wet. It was sloppy. We saw inters. We saw mediums. We saw softs. We saw everything in qualifying. It's just another story. Q1 Latifi, another spin. <laughs> just another. Put it on the board. Put it on the board. I think that's he has just as many spins Six. this year as as I think Charles does pole. 
it's it's pretty crazy. But in Q1, you know, it was it was pretty disappointing to see another Alphatari, their home race as well. They're manufacturing all their parts in Italy. Boy, Gasly and Sonoda, you must have been holding your breath. You had Gasly top 10, and to see him not even sneak into Q2 was just disappointing. Brutal, 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 brutal. Yeah, I don't know why qualifying is after one practice. I don't get it. I mean, me and you were texting back and forth about this, but the I love the sprint, and I like the kind of the wacky you know, concept of the schedule, but I just think they totally messed up the order of how the qualifying and practices are are ordered right now. And I think it's ridiculous having qualifying after one practice and then having a practice after that. So I don't understand it. I feel like it's another reason why we're not seeing the best teams on a weekend like this. You know, it, they don't have time to prepare and one practice. I mean, you saw, you saw it in qualifying. I mean, these teams were not prepared and didn't look great. So yeah, I was, it was very disappointing to see that the Alphatari is 20 minutes down the road from their factory just look like crap. And that sucked. Yeah, it was really, really devastating. And yeah, to go back to the format of the weekend. So, you know, last year for our, for listeners new to the, to the F1 sport last year, they introduced the sprint race, which was a, a reduced race. I think it's a quarter of the distance. Normally they still have a qualifying to set the grid for the sprint, but then they actually go out on track on Saturday. They race 25% race. And that's at the end of that, that's the order of the grid. But this year it was really weird because we went to practice FP1 free practice one into then qualifying but then once you got into qualifying you were in park ferme until the sprint race and until the actual race so then you go out into free practice too on the next day and teams you know they're not making any changes to the cars they're just going out there and getting data for long runs and short runs and in a weekend like this where you're setting up a car for qualifying in the rain but you'd be setting up the car for for dry track in the race and even the sprint it's super clunky And, you know, I I don't see why there's any issue with them coming out and doing a free practice one, a free practice two on day one, and then going into qualifying and then a sprint race in in day two. That's, that's, that's how I would, that's how I would format it. I wouldn't be surprised if we see some some more adjustments made to the scheduling next year, because there's no question the teams came out of this weekend, probably being a bit disappointed and felt like they were on their back foot all weekend. So I I wouldn't be surprised if we see some changes made to the scheduling next year. Totally. I couldn't agree with you any further. And, you know, a a team that suffered from that free practice one, I mean, teams are bringing upgrades, but they're giving it to one car, not the other. Acon couldn't even get out of the pits. They brought a new floor. Alonzo was testing that out in free practice one. So now you've got teams and, you know, we asked Ernie last week, you asked them actually, the team, do the drivers have the same cars? And clearly this weekend, that was that was a no. And as we saw going into Q2, Hamilton and George Russell and Mercedes, they were bringing big packages and they could they struggled so much in qualifying. And yeah. it's getting to a point, Sam, and we'll talk about it with, with what happens in the race. I, I'm starting to count Mercedes out a little bit this year because it just seems like there's just so much further on the back foot than the, than the top teams. Yeah, I mean, how can you not? They're, they're officially mixed in with, that the midfield, which seems that there's a, a new head of the midfield every single week, which is which is pretty cool. I like that. I mean, I feel like every single week we're seeing one of these midfield teams kind of shine, and then you see that team that shined one week, the next week towards the bottom of the midfield. So it's they're they're in that shuffle. Yeah. We're not used to seeing them there, but they that they are very much in the midst of that midfield shuffle, and there's just such a big gap between. Those, those teams and Red Bull and Ferrari, it's just not even close. 
Yeah. And you know what? A little bit of hard luck for them, though, because in qualifying in, in Q2, we saw a crazy pace from Carlos on those softs. We saw an unbelievable pace from Max. But at the end of Q2, Signs was sitting at provisional pole. Obviously, we had to go into Q3, but Carlos set some unbelievable lap times. And then he made a mistake. He was confused at what happened. He hit the wall. There was a red flag, which was the theme of qualifying here. There was, like, there was five red flags. And Hamilton had to come into the, the pits. Everyone obviously had to come in on the red flag. And he couldn't go back out on softs because the rain came in and they had to go on to inters. And so I don't even think many teams even came back out for Q2 once the, the red flag came because at that point the, the knockout was pretty much set so it was a little bit of hard luck for for lewis i think he probably would have stuck into q3 it looked like they had some pretty decent pace if they got to go back out and put a good time in on softs but man it's just that was a little bit of, that that stunk and then to go into q3 carlos he had the probably most roller coaster of a weekend for people and we'll talk and about the race but i saw most red flags ever during qualifying yeah, it was insane. And then in Q3, we got two more red flags. We had Bottas and then we had um, a Norris at the wall. And there was a big talk of whether or not Max lifted on his flyer lap. It, it sounded like he clearly lifted, never had a penalty. He had a monster lap as well. Arguably, you could love him, hate him. Doesn't matter. Arguably, I think Max is one of the best drivers in wet conditions, it sounds like. No question. And, you know, it's funny on Twitter, people are saying if you cause a red flag in qualifying, you should have your lap time deleted, which could be really interesting because it it makes a little bit maybe of a more conservative. I think we saw it at Monaco a couple of years back where Leclerc hit the wall. I mean, these guys aren't hitting anything on purpose because the damage and the budget caps are too big, but he hit the wall and basically ended qualifying with the fastest yeah. lap on the grid. So I kind of, it'd be interesting to see if the FIA looks at anything like that. But overall, we had a pretty crazy grid coming in with Max on pole. And then Charles P2 again, another story. And then we had, I think, uh, Lando after him. And then Checo starting P7, Carlos starting P10, heading into the sprint. And the sprint was awesome. Amazing. I just wish it was a little longer. Like, just yeah. give me, like, maybe 10 more laps. And I think Crofty said it during the race. And I, it just... Something came in my head and I was like, he's spot on. It just needs to be 10 more laps. I think we kind of got robbed of maybe seeing a little more of a cheeky battle between Max and Charles, maybe Charles re retaking them. But yeah, the sprint, sprint was great. I mean, it, was, it was nice getting a glimpse of some dry racing um, at Imola. And yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was very exciting. Signs was awesome. He had a great awesome. sprint. I was super excited to see that. Obviously, it didn't go his way today, but still, it was it was a very fun sprint and such a welcomed addition to the schedule. Getting these mixed in there, I just think it's it's very exciting to get more on track racing. Yeah, let's let's talk about the sprint really quickly. So Max starting on pole, Charles P two, Lando P three, K Mag. The best start on a, for a qualifying for Haas, he qualified P4, but obviously not for the race. This year, they're giving the actual pole winner to the, for the person who wins qualifying, not the sprint, which is better for stats and for money for the drivers. I think that's something that they argued about. But K-Mag, huge starting position. Alonso, P5. Daniel Ricardo P6. Checo, 7. Bottas, 8. Vettel, Aston Martin nine and then signs 10 on the grid. We saw five different constructors in the first five slots on the grid for the sprint race. That's just the regulations doing their job and they did yep. their job all weekend. Again, coming off the line, Max looked like he just dropped. The, we don't know what happened. He said he claimed it was a, a gear sink issue, but he just got a horrible start to that sprint race. 
Awful. Yeah, he got blown blown away down that uh, opening stretch. It didn't end up mattering. But yeah, that was that was concerning because I think if that happened again today, I'm I'm not sure he would have been able to make up the time with the with a different strategy, different tires. So it was it was very strange to see because he's usually the one who gets off the line better than anybody. So yeah, it was a weird start. And honestly, the story of the sprint after that. I mean, obviously. Charles had a commanding lead. Max kept it within one to two seconds, never really got within DRS range until about lap. I think it was like lap 16 or 17. He started to chip away at the lead, a little bit of the lead. Uh, he had maybe a couple shots to go for a little bit of a late lunge, but it didn't seem like he was going to. I think he was kind of biding his time and waiting till it was like closer to the end of the race so that Charles couldn't beat him back with DRS. Made the move into lap 20, move stuck. It was a really impressive move. But outside of that, the story was, Checo making up three or four spots to start P3, and then Carlos Sainz making up six places to get to P4. So at the end of the sprint, it almost seemed like order was restored at the top of the field with a Red Bull Ferrari, Red Bull Ferrari start of the grid. And it seemed like we were going to get some pretty interesting racing. I think you and I were going back and forth about the Checo over signs. It was so much of a flip of a coin, the Max versus Charles. It was, I think we were holding our breath on whether or not Red Bull fixed their reliability. It looked like they had the pace all weekend, but then we started off on inters, but starting the race flashbacks to last year wet max wasn't on pole he was p3 checo p2 and lewis p1 and verstappen fixed his problems from the sprint he had an unbelievable start as did perez as did lando and it seemed like some it was almost role reversal from the sprint where charles had a very poor start he got passed by norris he got passed by checo and it was going into trombella uh it was the one two from red bull and mclaren of all teams up into P3. So yeah, just unbelievable for, for Charles Leclerc. And then disaster strikes as the other McLaren of Danny Ricardo squeezes himself, goes over the curb, bumps into signs and innocent signs who clearly had the position going around the chicane and just absolutely got beached second time, two races. He hasn't completed more than three laps, nothing to do with him whatsoever. Slick conditions. Ricardo saying he got bumped. Absolutely crap. And now that's the end of Sainz's race and pretty much Ricardo's weekend. Just disaster, nightmare start for Ferrari. Yeah, uh, poor Carlos Sainz. I mean, oh. uh, like you mentioned, he had such a great sprint to get back in position to get on the podium for the actual race. And then friggin' Ricardo. It's just like, what is he doing? I was so disappointed to see him not get a penalty there. You know, he ended Carlos's day for, and it was clearly his fault. It was just yep. a sloppy irresponsible move and uh, i think he, he deserved at least a five second penalty something and it was just a bummer for signs i mean i i'm i'm starting to feel really bad for him last race was obviously his fault he had no patience in his driving but this one was just brutal 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 luck and now he's he's supremely behind the eight ball i mean he's out of the driver's race for sure now he's just got to focus on trying to bring Ferrari, a, you know, a constructors championship home. But you got to you got to feel for him. You know that he had aspirations to be right in the mix for that drivers championship. Clearly, he's got to play second fiddle now, Charles. And uh, 
and he's just he's not getting any race reps you know he's just he hasn't really raced so it's a bummer I, I was feeling for him I was really hoping to see him on the podium this weekend I thought that's where he was going to end up I still think that there was a decent chance at that if he was able to su- survive that first lap because he clearly did have some great pace but yeah it was just a, a bummer to see him get nudged out like the way he did and I, it was just I, so annoyed with Ricardo and like you said he claimed he got bumped like he talking about i mean there's no one behind them it was just a reckless irresponsible sloppy move by him really sloppy he was and honestly too carlos had some plenty of space on the inside too so they were a little bit you could say that like they were a little bit wheel to wheel and but like carlos he did not squeeze him he left him plenty of room to go by ricardo just took too much curb and he washed wide into signs and totally beach signs hard luck for carlos because you could clearly see that Ferrari had plenty of pace. I mean, they pitted uh, Leclerc a couple times and he had some easy overtakes. And then towards the end of the race, even Leclerc hit a wall. He got onto fresher tires, a brand new wing of probably a 25 second stop. And he still overtook like two or three more cars. So you knew that so long as signs could get back out onto the grid, like Ricardo did, Ferrari probably was looking at, at two Ferraris in the points, do a little bit of damage limitation, sucks yep. for signs, but just yeah, it, it, it made it made it was like salt in the wounds seeing them both in the gravel and Ricardo get out and signs couldn't. It just made it that much more annoying the whole situation. But yeah, if, if he could have just gotten out, even if he was towards the back of the grid, he, he would have been easily been able to get back into the points. Um, you know, maybe seventh, six, somewhere around there, maybe even better. So it just sucked. I, I feel so bad for him. It's good to see, you know, he, he was staying positive afterwards, he was still watching the race saying hi to the fans. So hats off for him to, to do all that and, and uh, fulfill all those responsibilities. He's, but he's got to be feeling, he's going to be feeling for himself. I hope he can get back on track in Miami. Yeah. It's, it's too bad because Carlos definitely had aspirations. He had the pace to win this race this weekend. He, was looking on peak performance and qualifying. He was setting up some really impressive lap times during the sprint. So you knew that he was ready to compete. I mean, think people after the race saying that it's not clear whether or not Ferrari is going to have a one-two driver this year. Like they think that there's still some time left for Carlos. I think that that ship has sailed. He not only has to catch his teammate, he has to go through two peak Red Bulls to even come close to winning this driver's championship. I think at best right now, he could just hope for a good team victory for the rest of the year and, and and, and finish some races in the points to keep this Ferrari train moving. Moving along. Yeah, there's no question who the one and who the two is I'm at Ferrari. I mean, they've got to, they've got to cater to Charles now if, if he wants to win the drivers. So yeah, Signs has has played himself right out of that conversation, unfortunately. Yeah, no, and and so kind of coming out of that turn, that was a lot of damage. The other thing that created a lot of damage was Mick Schumacher smacking into the side pod of Fernando Alonso. Uh, it didn't really impact anything for that lap, but then I think in the next lap or two, you saw some pieces flying off of Fernando Alonso's car, and he had to retire because it was basically just the end of his race. And yeah, that was the end of Dan Ricardo's race. It was the end of uh, Fernando Alonso's race, and kind of coming out of that turn, you were seeing the race kind of start to settle in it was max clearly ahead i think he took like a six and a half second lead over checo coming after the safety car uh checo had a pretty solid gap between leclerc but the problem sam and you and i were talking about this where was the drs i don't know the fia really screwed that up it was it was pretty clear about i don't know 10 12 laps in that the track was drying it was safe for DRS to be activated for whatever reason. 
they just refused to do it. And if there was going to be anyone to catch Max, it wasn't going to happen without DRS. So it was, um, it just kind of, I don't know, it just put a damper on, on the race and it was, it was a good race. We, we enjoyed it and we love Imola, but no DRS for all the people who don't want DRS and, and don't like DRS. Did you enjoy that first half of that race? Because it was nope. boring as hell. And it just proved how important DRS is to, you know, the viewer, like watching an actual race and, and the enjoyment of, of watching it. It's so much better when they have that as a, as an aid. So yeah, it was a bummer seeing them wait so long. So I, I didn't really understand that decision. No one did. I mean, Crofty was going nuts on the broadcast about it. Um, everyone at home felt like was, was screaming about it on Twitter. So it was just a weird decision by the FIA, but not surprising because they, they haven't really got much right this whole year. No, they haven't. And, and frankly, it was, it was, it was shocking because not only did they wait until, you know, lap 34, they went through two stints. They went through inters where the track was clearly drying up and then they waited. There was probably about a good 10 laps where they were on the medium tires on slicks. The rain forecast looked like it wasn't really going to impact anything anymore. It was kind of passing through. They got really lucky. And the they still waited to lap 34 to, to enable the DRS. And at that point, it was too little too late because because Charles was keeping up with Checo. I mean, there was a couple of times Checo had made a blunder going into the chicane and he went straight through because he missed his breaking point. And Mac, uh, Charles got it to within a half a second, which I think that was like on lap 20, 24. And he would have clearly had the benefit of DRS. Um, I don't think he would have eventually caught Max because I do think that the Red Bull pace was just far and away from, from the Ferrari pace this weekend. I think Max at that point had too large of a gap and he would have had to make up six and a half seconds just to get within DRS range of Max. But I think that would have been a very important move for Ferrari and Red Bull to swap with Checo. Exactly. Huge- I mean, I'll tell you what, he wouldn't, Charles wouldn't have had the, the spin out if, if he had DRS earlier and got past Checo. So it, like you said, he, he may not have caught Max. But probably still would have finished second. And as we saw, that was super important in the end because he cost himself a few spots with that late spin out. And that was actually a 10 point swing for Ferrari and, and Charles and the constructors and the drivers, respectfully, because if DRS was enabled when everyone thought it probably should have been, he probably would have passed Checo. Now, who knows how that battle would have lasted. But for argument's sake, that that puts him up to P2. He gets 18 points. Instead, he's coming out on sauce. And a little bit of overdriving from him, trying to catch Checo towards the end. He took a little bit too much curb, spun out. But you could just see the pressure building where he really, he had a chance to make a move on on Checo. And and unfortunately, spun out. He had to go get a brand new wing, new set of tires, put him back to P9. And then he still made up three places. He had like eight laps to go. And he still, he passed Magasin, he passed Vettel, he passed Sonoda, all within like an eight lap span he got himself back up to the p6 could have been disaster he got very lucky he had hit the wall with um both tires if he had gone nose first into that wall i mean we could have seen another eight point swing out of it and so damage limitation but again drs fia control in the narrative super impatient driving by charles i mean he he had the pace to get past checo definitely if if it wasn't going to be on that lap it was it was going to happen before the end of the race so for him to kind of force the issue and, like you said, overdrive a bit, it just kind of showed maybe his, I mean, I don't want to say inexperience. He's been in F1 for a while now, but maybe a lack of maturity a little bit in, in understanding, look, I'm going to make this move and I'm not going to be able to catch Max. So let's be patient and make sure we land this and, and get through the race at worst P3, but 
if we're patient, you know, we'll, we'll get there at P2. So it was disappointing to see that impatience and kind of lack of maturity in, in those last 15 laps. Yeah. And actually, you know, you, you're spot on. It's almost like the difference between somebody who's fighting for their first championship versus somebody who's right. already got a couple under their belt. Like you probably don't see, you might, you know, what you would have definitely seen a Max Verstappen making a move like that last year, chasing Lewis Hamilton. Uh, you probably don't see a Max Verstappen or a Lewis Hamilton making that move with a, with a championship win under their belt. But Charles, he's, he's eager. He wants to get on with it. He wants to push. And I, you know, I don't blame him. I like the aggressiveness, but that, that, that cost him another seven points, which if you do the math, that's basically like gifting Max a win and you showing up P2. because Probably, that gap probably of, eight points too, because he probably cost himself fastest lap with that as well. So you're spot on. So with the eight points, you're basically gifting Max a full race win and a fastest lap that you could have just easily caught those seven. So now you, you've given him like another, another window to come back into the championship in a car that's pretty competitive and pretty fast. It's tough luck for Charles, tough luck for Ferrari in their home race. But we saw some, some awesome, awesome racing in the midfield too. But just to kind of round out the Verstappen Red Bull, the, a grand slam for Max, his second ever. He got, actually, it's like a, a super grand slam if you count the sprint race. Yeah. So he used pole, sprint, let every lap, winner, fastest, which is crazy. Because, you know, I we had Charles do it two weeks ago in Australia. And I was like, oh, this probably happens quite a bit. It does not happen all that much, no. Sam. It does not happen. It happens like maybe once a year in this era. I think we saw Max had in Austria, Austria 2021. Lewis had in Abu Dhabi in 2019. And before that, Max had never had one. Lewis is, I think, second of all time with six. Lewis Hamilton has only six Grand Slams and he has seven World Championships. We've seen it in back-to-back weeks. It's, it's unbelievable. It's starting to turn into a wacky season a little bit. We're seeing, really some, we're seeing some weird stuff. And yeah, I, I was thinking the same thing during the race. Like he's about to get the grand slam and we're going to see this in two consecutive races. Yeah, it was it's pretty crazy to think about. Unbelievable. Last thing on the Red Bull thing. First one, two finish since 2016, Malaysia, Danny Ricardo, and Max Verstappen. So shocking. just like shock, very shocking, but a crazy stat to have in there. They pulled off the ultimate strategy. They were lucky that Perez caught um, or he had the he was able to cover off Charles at the start of the race. The, and also, this is something interesting that I started to notice a little bit. The overcut seems to be working a lot better than the undercut this year yep. with the tire temperatures. Yep, absolutely. Couldn't couldn't agree more. These tires are, are tough, man. They're they're really, really tough. Um, and yet yeah, the, the undercut just isn't really hitting the way it used to. So Sam, let's talk about Mercedes and their weekend because you know we love to see Mercedes be competitive. We thought that at the beginning of this year we we're going to see a Ferrari Red Bull Mercedes triple fight for the championship across all their drivers. They have very strong teams, very strong drivers, but the polar opposite results between George Russell finishing P4 and and Lewis Hamilton P13. What do you make of this? You're a big Mercedes guy. Like what's your takeaway from Yeah, that? I mean, first off what a drive from Russell. He's, I mean, Unbelievable. He's, he's a shining star right now. He, he looks so good, so confident in that car. It was just a, a joy to watch him battle it out up there. Very fun watching him and Bodice go at it in the same spot where they had that big crash last year. I thought that was, that was fun. Um, but yeah, that, that's first and foremost. Russell was awesome. Awesome Peak. all weekend. Mr. Um, Consistent. Yeah. And, and, He's he's stuffing Lewis in a locker, and it, it's it's pretty crazy. See, I love Lewis, but it's it's almost like he he wants everyone to feel bad for him. But how can you feel bad for him when your teammate is towards the top and is consistently in the points? He's what is it, Russell's now third in the in the driver's standings. Fourth in the drivers. Fourth, after I mean, he's having a great year. 
He's ahead of signs. Yeah, it's like, I I don't feel bad for Lewis. I mean, the car's obviously not great. It's not the Mercedes that we're used to seeing, but it's not that bad. And it, it, like I said, it almost feels like he wants everyone to feel bad for him. You heard Toto on the radio after the race saying, you know, this is, you know, this is not the car that that world champion, like you should be driving, um, unacceptable, all that, blah, 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 trying to make Hamilton feel better. But it's like, dude, wake up and like beat your teammate. Like, don't, don't lose by 10 spots to your teammate. So, I don't know. Something's going on there with Lewis. You you made a great comment thinking maybe something to do with his bid to buy the Chelsea soccer team. Maybe distracted. His head's not there. I, I heard a comment after the race he made. Well, we're definitely out of the, the driver's championship race now. No, duh. Like, yeah. you're out of it. So, like, just time to wake up. Time to swallow your pride. Go and beat your teammate. I thought Nico Rosberg made a made a really great comment before the race saying how much Lewis absolutely hates losing to his teammate. Well, he should show it. I mean, it's time for him to wake up. You're out of the drivers. They're out of the constructors. Go beat your teammate. Have some, have some pride and, and stop feeling sorry for yourself. Your teammates driving the same car as you. So I, I don't know. It, it's, it's starting to get a bit annoying watching him like sulk around and feel sorry for himself. Cause look, you, you've won the, you've won the drivers seven of the last eight years. You guys won the constructors, whatever it is, last, you know, seven, eight years. We don't feel sorry for you. Like, be a pro, be the best of all time, like you are, and, you know, get the most out of this car. And, and he's just not doing that right now. It's it's really disheartening. And you, it's funny, because, like, you, you're right. It makes him feel like he wants people to feel bad for him. But it's hard to feel fat, bad for him, because you've got, he's being passed by a Williams of Alex Albon. He's getting lapped by his arch rival and those two i don't care what anyone says those two don't like each other they might have quote unquote respect for each other but of all things for lewis to be lapped by max verstappen when his teammate is fourth in the drivers and finishing p4 on that same race that is brutal and the the worst part too uh, he just looks a little bit timid like he he was yes he was stuck a little bit in a drs train behind gasly and behind albon but you're telling me that lewis hamilton and the mercedes where where george russell in a similar mercedes is finishing p4 he can't pass an alfatari and a williams with drs now i'll cut him a little bit of slack because there was a point where he was gaining on Gasly, and unfortunately, he got the blue flags waved to him because Verstappen was coming through, and it kind of did derail his chances of... He was making some ground on Gasly, but Gasly had to let him his, uh, his old teammate through as well. But, I mean, I don't feel bad for Lewis at all. He has been so slow, and he has missed qualifying twice where his teammate has been outperforming him in every aspect of the season. Yeah, it's a, it's a silly theory at this point, but it's like, is he trying to like prove a point or something? Like, I don't know. Something's up. It just doesn't make any sense because the Mercedes isn't that bad and, and Russell's proving it. So it's like something's going on. I don't know. And, and it's going to be a long, long, long season for him if he doesn't snap out of it and show some pride in himself. Um, so I don't it'd be very interesting to see. I mean, I, I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. And um to add insult to injury, to see his former teammate Valtteri Bottas battling, try almost catching his current teammate George Russell battling for fourth on the last lap of the race, it's just it's a nightmare season for for Lewis Hamilton. But it almost looks like he doesn't care. It almost looks like he's his mind's elsewhere. He's more occupied with other things. I, I really hope we don't see this, but 
are we going to see a Lewis Hamilton retirement this year? Um, His head does not look in it. I'll tell you what. I mean, I, I, I would have said no to that unquestionably, but I have a tough time believing that he will sign off for another year of being in the like middle to back of the midfield. I just don't totally. think he, I just don't think he's got that in him. And like you said, he's got these other endeavors going on. He'll find a way to spend his time elsewhere because he, he clearly doesn't have much patience for not being in a competitive car. So I don't know. It, it's going to be a long season. We'll, we'll see what happens in race like 15, 16. If he's still battling for, you know, 12, 13, we might, we might see him step away. I don't know. It, it's, it's a, it's a good theory. Uh, it wouldn't shock me at this point. Yeah. You're saying he's finding his time elsewhere. He kind of already is the press conference, the driver's press conference. They talked more about his bid with Chelsea and what he's doing with Serena Williams than they did about his, his teammate or his team or what he's thinking for the season. And, and yeah, I mean, the, it's, it's just, it's not been the the Mercedes of years past, but like we said, when your teammates up in, in the points P4 and he's, and George has been consistent top five, every single race. It's been great. Fifth, been fourth, awesome. third, fourth. He's fantastic. Awesome. If, and if, and if Hamilton was, the roles were reversed and Hamilton was finishing the way Russell has been, he'd be locked in and he'd, and he'd still be totally. thinking, I, could, I can still compete in, in the drivers and I, I still have a chance if we can just turn things around and I can win a race and, and just kind of unlock something. Um, but for whatever reason, it's just like he, he's checked out. Totally checked out. Doesn't seem like he wants to be there. Uh, he's just his performance isn't on track and it's starting to get a little concerning. But again, it, this is what's so tricky about this year, Sam, right? Because two weeks ago in Australia, he was top five, and now he's not, and McLaren's top five. And then McLaren wasn't top five in Bahrain, and Mercedes was. So this whole, like, Mercedes, McLaren, who's third on the grid in terms of the best of the rest, it's, it's crazy because, again, we, you can't count out Mercedes. But the budget cap, we start to think, is that going to be – the big looming dark cloud for Mercedes season is not being able to kind of test multiple parts or bring tons of upgrades. And they're going to have to be a little bit more selective with what they bring and starting so much on the back foot. Do they have enough in the cap this year to, to come back? Yeah. And speaking of those upgrades, it's, it's funny. It seemed like all the teams that brought the upgrades this week, um, uh, Alpine, Mercedes, uh, AlphaTauri had, piss poor weeks so um awful i don't know what that says about the development of these cars or if it was because it's a wacky sprint weekend where they didn't you know had limited practice but um i thought that interesting that all the all the teams of the upgrades had the worst weeks we've seen out of them all year yeah no they did i mean mercedes had a bad one both alpines in the bottom of the field alpine had their worst week of the year worst week Worst week of the year. AlphaTauri, again, Gasly didn't look sharp. Yuki Sonoda, he, he made some moves. Yeah, Yuki had a great race. I really Probably his best Grand Prix maybe ever. He was awesome. I loved the way he drove. Uh, super aggressive, but smart. Loved hearing his, his uh, jubilation after one of those passes. On I, I, I might just start listening to his team radio the whole entire race. I get electric. Such a, I get such a kick out of out of his reactions. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, it was good to see him in the points having a, a solid week. Yuki is so funny, but he, the thing is like, I wasn't expecting his team radio and watching it live. I don't know if you were the same way. He just started yelling. Yeah. And, and, but the thing is they, the, the, the commentators pulled on the radio, like 
a couple turns after he made the move. So I thought it was, and I think somebody said, oh no, the Alphatari is losing power. <laughs> and I was holding my breath because I was like, poor Yuki, not to lose power. And uh, But no, he was just super excited. He's, he's been our favorite like driver to not, we don't really root for because he's just so entertaining on the grid and the way he's great. He's fantastic. But speaking of others, uh, your favorite team to hate, Aston Martin, best weekend of the year for them. Um, after rumors of whether or not Lawrence Stroll was going to maybe sell the car, the team to, to Audi for next year. Yeah. The pig of a car um, gets out of the mud, you know, they're uh, they're They're in the points. There will be no shutouts this year and great weekend from battle. I said it earlier. I, I think they thrived in the rain and maybe, you know, brought them a little closer to some of the other teams. So great drive from battle. Good weekend. I'll, I'll tip my cap to them. You know, they're they're on the board and it was back to Hamilton a little bit just watching him not being able to get past Stroll for like 15 lap 20 laps it was just like what planet are we on it was just felt like we were in some bizarro world where Lewis Hamilton couldn't pass Lance Stroll in the pig of an ass in Martin um it was I don't know just another wacky moment in a wacky start to the season with the same engine too being a Mercedes power unit I mean, Lance Stroll gained five places from where he started on the grid. Lewis gained one. Vettel gained five up into P8. Uh, granted, two of those, a lot of those positions are based off of DNS with Danny and and Carlos kind of dropping to the to the back of the grid after their collision into the first turn. But yeah, it's just the pig of a car. They found some lipstick. They put lipstick on a pig this weekend. Just really embarrassing for Mercedes, for the McLarens, both Mercedes power units, the Aston Martins, both power units, uh, to be finishing well ahead of Lewis Hamilton. Uh, all in the points, too. Both McLarens, both Aston Martins, up into the points. Lewis P13, just right behind a Williams Mercedes power unit. It's just really, really shitty look for, for Lewis. Yeah. I keep belaboring the point. And hats off to McLaren. We didn't really touch upon them, but maybe this Brilliant will drive. maybe this will uh, cheer up Lando a little bit. I mean, he just after every like quite good qualifying or or even sprint this past weekend, you, you hear the interviews after the race, and he's like, he's just he's so like negative, being like, yeah, we can't do any better than this. We can, like, I think he said for the sprint, like, we'll be lucky if we're competing for like sixth, seventh, and then he's back on the podium. So I don't know if he's just playing like mind games, like trying to temper his expectations, but they, I was super down on them after the first, after Bahrain thinking that they were going to have an awful year, but they they've turned things around. So you really got to give them credit. They, they had a a really good car, competitive car this weekend. Uh, I'm happy to see they're, they're going to be competing towards the the front of the midfield. It's, it's better when they're involved. So yeah, it was good drive by Lando today. Great drive. Yeah, he's turning into a little bit like a curmudgeon about his team. Yeah, exactly. He's always upset yeah. about something. I, I kind of like it. I, I think I just like Lando's personality, but like, you know, it's, I think it's funny. I think, though, the shtick is starting to get a little like weird when you're like, yeah, we're not going to do any better. I do think he's probably right. I think he's one of those drivers on the grid that probably has pretty realistic expectations. I think it's really clear at this point that so long as Red Bull has reliability tucked away and they're in good shape with that, it is Ferrari and Red Bull. They have the pace of just a league of their own. I mean, yeah. we saw we saw Charles. You and I were texting about it. Charles got passed by Lando at the start, and we just knew it was inevitable without DRS that Charles was just going to overtake Lando pretty quickly, and he did. Within, yeah. I think the safety car got deployed, and then once the safety car came in, I think it was like a lap or two, and 
Charles just made mincemeat of Lando. He put a mega gap between the two. So it's funny because I do think Lando's right with the Red Bulls and the, the Ferraris. I don't think he stands a chance. I think he got a little lucky getting onto the podium with a little bit of misfortune from Charles. But to your point, that McLaren this weekend proved that it's best of the rest in this yep. grid. And there's and there, there's no shame in being in that position with like not with how incredibly fast the Red Bull and the Ferraris are. I mean, to be the best of the rest, there, there's really no shame in that. So yeah, hopefully he, he lightens up a little bit and um, cracks a smile and uh, and a couple of jokes because he he's certainly has been a curmudgeon the past few weeks. Big time curmudgeon. And then another one that got up into the points is uh, Kevin Magnuson. Great qualifying for him. He started off P4. Uh, little, he, you know, he had some hard luck in the sprint going onto the medium tires. I think everyone else is on softs. It's funny. Cause I feel like Haas, they're just like overthinking things, you know, like Hey, Mag even said, it was like, it was my choice to go on the, the mediums. I thought that the softs were going to fall off, but when you see every single other team in the entire grid on softs and you guys are going out on mediums, you gotta be scratching your head saying, just, yeah, just on? a bizarre decision. Like you said, they just, they just overthought, like overthought things. Like clearly you might be missing something if you're the only team doing that. So yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't quite understand that move, but yeah, the, they, they have a competitive car. And I think we're going to start consistently seeing points out of them every week because their car's fast. So I think they just got to drivers kind of have to zero in, figure, figure out how to drive the cars. And like you said, not overthink things, keep it simple. Yeah. Keep your car on the track, simple strategies. And you're, and you're going to score points every week. Totally. Yeah. And then the last person that we haven't talked about, um, the Williams team, another good race out of Albon. He was able to hold up the, the Alphatari of Pierre Gasly and uh, the Mercedes of Lewis Hamilton, who both had DRS behind him for probably, what, 30 laps? Yep. They were right within DRS range, and he just did a phenomenal job managing his tires and being able to keep them back. I mean, again, I, I think if you said to me, I don't think I would have ever seen Albon passing Lewis Hamilton on my 2022 F1 bingo card this year. No chance. Yeah, <laughs> it's unbelievable. Another bizarro moment. Um, yeah, Albon, another great drive. He's uh, He's been a shining star so far this year, making Latifi look kind of silly. Um, or but, five places between the two of them. Another, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll not make many comments on that. We're a fan of the Williams team, but we are. Uh, yeah, but Al- Albon, another great drive. He's definitely something that I think both of us, every single week now, we're looking for. We're watching him. What he does feels like he's doing something kind of exciting every week. Something a little different. Um, so it's. It's been a pleasure watching him. It's been an absolute pleasure from him to think about that he started off on the grid P18 and his teammate right behind him at P19, and he gets all the way up into P11. And he, yeah, I, I would just I would love to see him have like a, a solid qualifying where he maybe gets you know to Q2 and finishes somewhere around like you know 12th, 13th, and see what he can do from there because it just seems yeah. like he's finding himself at the back of the grid every week now, and and he's got to he's got to throw hail marys out there. He's done a good good job with it, but I'd like to see what he does. Maybe a little better position. And Sam, notables that he's passed too. He passed uh, Pierre Gasly, Esteban Ocon, Lewis Hamilton to get up into that spot. And then That's obviously awesome. he had signs and he couldn't get past Stroll. He couldn't get past. And then Vettel and Sonoda and Russell were the ones. And he got past Mick, but Mick had that crash. Alonso had that crash. Signs yeah, had a crash. Impressive stuff. Really impressive. Very impressive. Stuff. 
Yeah, and it was he was probably holding his breath as he passed Lewis going back to both Austria and Brazil, yeah. where he got run a little bit wide and gone into the gravel. So, um, but yeah, I mean that's our the race recap. Phenomenal. I, I mean Red Bull is back one and two, huge. They grabbed thirty eight points up from Ferrari, and Max grabbed I think twenty points up from or eighteen points up on on Charles. So huge cut into that lead. They needed that honestly to keep this alive going into Miami, where it's a brand new track for everybody. So mega needed there. But I'd like to to move on to you, what you did this weekend on the grid with the with your picks. A um, little bit of a recap there, Sam. You've been an absolute scorcher. You are now four and zero on race winner picks. You've picked every single race perfectly. You picked Charles to start off the season with virtually no data points to go off of. You picked Max the following weekend in Jeddah. You picked Charles again in Australia, and you picked Max again this week. Not only did you pick Max to win the race, you picked Max to win the sprint. I think the only really big issue we had caught out this weekend was you know we both had charles on pole uh, i think it was again a flip of a coin and then i had a, a bold prediction where i didn't think either ferrari was going to podium but i mean let's just talk about your matchups eight and one on the year your race picks four and oh on the year uh just talk to the people about that because you just got the hottest hand in f1 yeah, gambling look i i don't want this podcast to turn into you know the sam tuning his own horn show but it should right now but look um i am the hottest best f1 better in the game and i don't really think there's much of a question or a close second i'm I'm as hot as it gets right now Uh, i have an incredible pulse on the grid i have an incredible pulse on these cars i'm not going to slow down like i'm not on a hot streak this is just who i am the eight and one matchup record it's going to get better i mean i'm going to probably finish the season like 105 so they're going to keep coming i'm incredibly hot i just what can you say? I mean, I'm uh, like you said, I'm a, I'm on an absolute scorcher. Um, I'll tighten up the the early in the week picks for for you all. We'll make sure what we zone in on those. But yeah, my matchup picks are are second to none. Um, I hope people who are listening out there are following them. I hope we get some more followers. I want our followers to make more money, and you can do that if you follow my picks because I'm fire. Yeah. So let's, let's transition to, you know, we grade ourselves every weekend, the things we got right, the things we got wrong, things we got right, right away. Uh, Sam, I mean, you were spot on the the matchups. You went four and oh, you picked in a weekend where predicting what was going to happen with the upgrades, with the weather, with the strategies, there was so many factors and variables heading into this weekend that for you to go four and oh, and race winners is pretty impressive. Uh, you, you nailed Max winning the race. It was a must win for him. Red Bull clearly had the pace. You nailed Max winning the sprint. You had all, you were all over that. So again, like I said, four and zero on race winners this year, eight and one with a little bit of an asterisk on that one, because you didn't even have a line on Ricardo. Yeah, it's, it's, really eight Norris. it's really it's eight and zero. It's eight and zero. If we're going to go off of units placed off of bold predictions, eight and one, but again, um, we're going back and forth. I, I had one that I loved Checo over signs. It was a good hold. Cause again, that's a really tough one. I don't think we would have expected Ricardo to hit him, but, and then, yeah, I mean, in terms of the prop bets that you had, I, I liked them. They're fun bets to go off of. I think we learned a lot about them. I think betting practice is a little bit tough, especially heading into a sprint race. I think like you look at the race, you picking Verstappen FP one to be the fastest time. And he goes fastest overall in qualifying. He wins the sprint race. He has a grand slam weekend. Like, you saying he's FP1 winner is a pretty bold, not even a bold pick. It's like, that was a great value at plus 185. So I don't think anyone should be upset about those. And I think just it's a factor of early racing, you know, early picks in the middle of the race. I would call those more value picks. But yeah, for our listeners, you'll probably be posting more on Twitter real time. Let them know. Like it's, 
you've not only were you right about the race matchups, you're also right about you should be waiting a little bit after these practice sessions. Uh, Absolutely. I mean, and that's, I mean, that, that's why I'm getting so good at these aren't bl- me blindly picking these winners. I'm diving into the data. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at lap times. I'm looking at deltas. I'm looking at sector times. You know, I'm, I'm crunching the numbers. This is a, this is a process for me and, and I've trusted it and I trust the process. And that's why um, the results are the way they are. But I, I do want to say something. I don't think you're giving yourself enough credit for your call about Ferrari having struggles this weekend. Um, yeah. Absolutely nailed that. Uh, that was a bold pick with, you know, against clearly the best team out there for you to say that they're going to have a tough weekend, not finish on the podium. I mean, hats off to you. Great. Pick. Yeah. No, it's, it's like a bittersweet one because, you know, you, you want to root for, you want to root for it to be more of a pace related thing and to have other teams kind of catching them. I, I don't like to capitalize on others' misfortunes, seeing well, signs. Cool. Yeah, seeing signs kind of get washed wide by Ricardo and beached into the gravel, you know, it, I was I was not happy to see that. Seeing Charles uh, take too much curb and hit the wall again, wasn't happy to see that. Uh, it's good because I did have this gut feeling. I thought that signs was going to be a little bit on on poor form this weekend with his contract extension being discussed. And unfortunately, right after we published our, our latest episode, within probably an hour, I saw news that a new power unit for signs, contract extension into 2024, everyone's happy heading into the weekend. And I'm holding my breath being like, one of my takes is absolutely going to get totally toasted. And honestly, going into Q2, it was looking that way with signs being P1 going on provisional pull into, into qualifying three until he hit the wall. So, you know, we didn't talk enough about that, but is is signs in panic mode because he's been a couple mistakes here and there. Like he did make a mistake in qualifying. Um, you're right. I nailed it. We'll put that on the grid for what I got right. Sadly, I had to get it right, but I also got totally wrong with thinking Hamilton was going to finish on a podium when he wasn't even in the top ten. More so of a story. Wrong. No, no one's better than us at predicting these things. I mean, we're. We're fantastic. We're we are very good at this. So we both had Max as a race winner. Give us um, our credit. Yeah. So, but we can't just pat ourselves on the back. Things we got wrong. Your Verstappen FP one bet. All of your props failed, which stunk because I thought I thought Gasly was a great top ten bet. I thought Ferrari fastest lap. It looked pretty damn like a lot. Yeah, that, that, that was the laps. that was the biggest bummer for me. I, I that one should have hit. I feel like. The Charles spin out really screwed screwed himself there and screwed that bet yeah. over. But five and four overall on the weekend, can't ask for much more on that. The other thing that we totally missed, Haas and McLaren having good weekends. I mean, K-Mag again up in the points. McLaren had a pretty solid weekend. They look like they're on on form. We just didn't have a lot to talk about or say about Haas and McLaren. I think that more speaks to these regulations and how every track is different. Every team is bringing different parts. Nobody's really got a clear, nobody has a clear advantage except for Ferrari and Red Bull. So it's really tough for us. And then I'll say the other thing that we definitely got wrong was Leclerc on pole. But you know what? Again, we're getting more right than we're getting wrong. So if you want to listen to like the hottest takes and, and where we're heading as a podcast, get on the train now or get off the tracks. Because, you know, just like Max and Charles, our cars are on the rails and we are pushing and we are in mode push for the rest of the season. Yeah, and our, and our haters are fueling us. The doubters, the haters, we're noting. We're noting who you are. You're on the Bolton board and you'll be left in the bust. Absolutely. So Sam, unbelievable race weekend from Imola. 
The Amelia Ramayano Grand Prix did not disappoint. We finally saw our first race with these cars in wet conditions. Red Bull looking peak performance on all aspects of the grid, including their race strategy. Checo's looking great. I think it's like two or three points separating him and Max now and the drivers. So I think we're going to get something at this point of the year, though, where you were thinking in Jetta, are we going to see what happens when Checo's leading the field and Max is tailing right behind him? So we're not far off from seeing how how Red Bull reacts to that. But uh, overall, what a fun weekend. It's going to suck for us to have to wait two weeks, but we're pumped for Miami first time ever Grand Prix there, street circuit. It's going to be pretty exciting. Very pumped for Miami. Going to be sweet. Can't wait to see all the celebs out there. I'm sure we'll see like Shaq and Ricky Martin, Pitbull. Pitbull, Mr. Worldwide. Dave Portnoy. It'll be pretty exciting. Electric for Miami. Uh, Sorry to all the F1 haters living in in Miami who tried to argue that you can't, uh, they didn't want to have the noise. The judge ruled absolutely not. You have to produce exactly why you guys are going to get, like, this was ridiculous. They thought that they were going to get tough luck losers, but they were arguing that there was going to be long-term damage to their physical health. I'll show you long. I'll show you long term damage. <laughs> yeah, you will. But yeah, so no, tune in next week too. So Sam, you're gonna have uh, some. You're gonna have to do some homework over the next two weeks. Miami, different track. We're gonna have to figure out uh, the matchups. But I think you know where you can get some good lines. The listeners are gonna tune in, and you know, hats off to you. I think you know we we nailed some stuff this weekend. We got some things wrong, but like I said, you're just absolutely on peak form with the the predictions and the bets this weekend. So all of our listeners should be following your picks and and to the T because you'd be up a lot of units right now if you did. Yeah, well said, Matt. Well said. I'm excited for Miami and getting back after it. That's a wrap for this week's episode of the In The Points podcast. What a crazy race weekend as Red Bull makes significant strides, closing the gap on the prancing horses. Tune in next Wednesday for our Miami Grand Prix race preview, a brand new circuit added for the 2022 calendar, a street circuit with three DRS zones, which is just what we like to see. Make sure you like, subscribe, leave a review, and turn on those notifications so you don't miss a second of the hottest takes and picks in Formula One. And as always, Stay out of that dirty air and keep pushing.